Welcome to TMI, a podcast by Henry Ford Allegiance Health. And this is another great episode of Let's Talk More About It, TMI. It's yep. not a perfect acronym, but you know. It's good enough. Yeah. It makes it's sense. Great. It's <laughs> wonderful. Um, but we have an interesting topic today, don't we, Jen? We do. We really do. And it's one that is kind of close to me as well, because I have some family members that have been through this as well. But Mm -hmm. today we're going to be talking about sepsis. And this one's kind of um, close to me because I've had a family member, a close family member that has had sepsis before and went into septic shock and had to be transported to actually Henry Ford Main Hospital and um, had had multiple organ failures and uh, had to have transplants and all that kind of stuff. So wow. it, and he, my, my family member went in just for a simple gallbladder removal mm-hmm. and things went bad quickly. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's one of those things where you don't really think about it until it happens to you or someone, you know, right. and then it can change your world. Yep. Um, and today I think we're going to try to learn a little bit more about symptoms, what to look out for, um, basically just a little bit more information because I think some people don't really understand what sepsis is and mm-hmm. how how devastating it can be. So right. I'm and excited. I, and I didn't know until recently that Henry Ford and here at Henry Ford Allegiance Health, we are kind of leading the way in sepsis care. We are. And doing a lot of cool things. So today in the studio, we brought in Dr. Brian Kim to talk a little bit about sepsis and to join us in our conversation. So welcome to the show, Brian. Well, you know, thank you for having me here today. And uh, David, thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. And it's really personal. Uh, yeah. I think these these type of um, messaging out there, is, it, it resonates with a lot of people. So thank you for having me here today. Yeah, thank you. Um, would you like to kind of explain a little bit about what you do and the kind of things that interest you? Well, um, by trade, an emergency medicine physician, so you'll see me in the ER. Just call me Brian when you come in. (laughs) I do have a passion for sepsis, and it has something to do with when I was a young resident uh, in Detroit, and at that time, I was introduced to a man by the name of Dr. Manny Rivers, who is down at Henry Ford Main Campus, who wrote a landmark article in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2000, talking about how to treat sepsis. And that stirred something inside of me about how can we do better care for people. And it was a landmark article because since that time, we have been evolving and trying to perfect this uh, way we treat patients with illnesses um, that lead to sepsis. Right. Yeah. And I believe we are going to be having a video about it coming out really soon. So I look forward to it. Check our YouTube channel to find out more about sepsis and see Brian and the other Henry Ford people. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Thank cool. you. Yeah. So, so, Dr. Kim, can you just start out by just explaining the definition of sepsis? What is it? Well, Jen, it's uh, sepsis is the body's response to an infection. And so when you look at that, it simple infections that become a little bit worse and how the body responds. And when the body responds, it kind of shuts down different organs, and that's when we get into trouble. Mm-hmm. When people get in trouble, and I see them in the emergency department, and then when I go visit them upstairs in our sepsis unit. Gotcha. So what kind of symptoms would a patient be experiencing, or not even a patient, this could be happening to just someone who's at home or just out in the community, correct? Right, and this is where the message has to be delivered. And you know, um, it starts off with a fever. 
and we all have had fever and whatnot from certain illnesses, but it gets a little worse. You just don't feel right. And then family members start looking at you and saying, you're not making sense. So there's an yeah. alteration there in how they speak. And then all of a sudden they become more weaker than you normally think. And those are the warning signs. And by and large, you know, us as individuals, we may not recognize it. That's why it's so important for family members to be educated, to know when their loved ones are not doing well or not responding to the normal cold and flu season uh, treatments, and that's when they need to bring them in for us to evaluate. And what we do when a patient is diagnosed with sepsis and comes to our sepsis unit, we send them home a very nice discharge instruction packet, and we call them the warning zones, green, yellow, red, and things to watch out for. And that color-coded resonates with our patients Mm -hmm. because they say, or family members, I think loved one has yellow, I'm going to call Dr. X patient has read these things. I'm not waiting. We're going to the emergency department. These are things that we continuously reinforce while they're in the hospital, but things that we can talk to the community. It's it's actually how they look, how they feel, and is there a change in activity level? A fever that continuously will not go away despite how much Tylenol or Motrin you take. Gotcha. Right. It's it's very strange. Like when I remember when my family member went through that, it was he was just not the same. He was just completely different and then it got worse from there and and that's why they might not even recognize mm-hmm. uh, and be aware of what's going on and so so my heart goes out to individuals that are what I call the shut-ins they don't have family members around and and so um, we do have different uh, things that we do in the hospital for those individuals that may not have a loved one so they will be watched and know what things to look for. Oh, that's great. So so as part of that, is there a certain age group that is more susceptible to getting sepsis? Uh, yes, and it's um, it's not it's age group as well as medical conditions. So okay. the very young mm-hmm. and the elderly. And then we have the patients that have uh, emphysema or as we call it COPD diabetes, um, people that unfortunately are on chemo treatments that weaken their immune system, and a at-risk population that we've started to look at and started to treat are our OB patients, patients that are pregnant, that we're not dealing with just one life but two lives at right. that time. Yeah. And, and I noticed that it seemed like sepsis happened like faster than I expected anything to happen. He was normal, just got out of surgery, my family member, one minute, and then the next day he was barely knew what was going on. So how fast does this sepsis happen? And that's a great question. It's it's highly variable because of the underlying patient uh, and then in terms of what we'll talk about, maybe immunizations. Have they been immunized? Have they taken good care of themselves? Do they have any other illnesses that make them at risk? So it can happen very fast or it can be over a couple of days, so that mm-hmm. gradual period. But sepsis is one of those um, conditions that just come up and sneak behind you and, mm-hmm. and you're not aware of it. And it could be fast or it could be a little slower in duration. Right. And that's probably why it's so important to recognize the signs of it. Right, right. And is there anything that we can do to prevent sepsis from happening? And that's and that's um, healthy living. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, and that's where our community um, we talk about healthy living, eating right, mm-hmm. uh, be watchful of diet, um, taking care of your if you have diabetes, making sure your sugars are under control. If you are smoking, try to start that process of trying to get you out and not smoke. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things, and of course, immunizations of at all ages of life. Sure. Yeah. 
it's great to be able to try and stop it before it happens, but sometimes that's just not possible. So what are some of the things that we're doing here at Henry Ford, at Allegiance Health, and at the Henry Ford health system in general to kind of stop sepsis or treat it? The treatment. Um, so we've started an initiative that's system-wide, which I will proudly say that uh, Henry Ford Allegiance is leading the way. And in terms of providing protocolized, uh, protocolized care for those patients that are identified with sepsis, early recognition, starting treatments, treatments being antibiotics and fluids, getting the right lab tests, and then most importantly, putting them up on our sepsis unit. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we got to look at the sepsis unit a few I weeks know. ago. and That was awesome. Actually, yeah. that was really, really cool. Was. It's so cool that we have something like that dedicated just to keeping patients healthy and treating that. So that's, well, and, no, oh, I, I'm sorry, Jen. <laughs> Please, ladies first. <laughs> well, you had mentioned um, when we when we did that video that the goal kind of is to bring awareness to sepsis, like how our stroke patient, how we treat our stroke patients or mm. heart attack patients. And, and is that kind of why we tried to create this environment where, you know, we're just bringing more awareness and doing what we can? The awareness, right? And mm -hmm. if you think about it from a Let's just talk about healthcare in general. When you talk about sepsis and the amount of unfortunate fatalities, mm -hmm. mortality associated with sepsis, it's bigger than breast cancer, mm -hmm. prostate cancer combined. Wow. wow. It's more than stroke patients. So in terms of the degree of how the severity of sepsis and what it impacts on individuals and family members, mm -hmm. I can't stress high, uh, highly because if you mm -hmm. think about it, there's about 1.7 million cases a year of wow. sepsis. And how many people die of it? Are over 200,000. So one in three patients can die from sepsis that come into the hospital. So yeah. that's why it's so important that we start this treatment, early recognition, early treatments, but also educating our community. So um, we want to look at sepsis like we do with stroke, heart attacks, trauma, these things to heighten that. This is high on the radar for what we need to do for our patients. Yeah. Um, do do a lot of hospitals have a sepsis unit like what we have? Not that I can find. Not yeah. that something as unique as, and I'm going to say this, I'm so proud of the people that lead this initiative. Um, we have like Travis Zeibel, who's the uh, manager. We have Joy Lynn Nelson, who's the director. Jennifer Rice, who's also part of the education process. And our uh, CNO, Wendy Borsma, they took the ball and ran with this to, to do this for this community, to have this 18-bed unit specifically dedicated to patients that are diagnosed with sepsis. I mean, it's, I believe, because I haven't seen anything out there and I've searched, I think it's the first in the nation. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah I know we have quite a few people who listen to this podcast that work at other hospitals and stuff. So um, what are some of the successes we've been seeing with this sepsis unit? You know, I will say this, um, mortality rate is down. Great. Since we've paid, uh, opened up this unit, it has always been on a lower trend and decreasing, so we lead that as well. But this, with the sepsis unit, it's actually shown a dent in lowering that mortality rate even lower. We also have decreased length of stay, which means which makes sense. We're mm -hmm. providing uh, care that you see with people with heart issues, stroke issues, trauma issues, and providing that organized, protocolized care and allowing patients to leave the hospital earlier than normal. 
So mm-hmm. those are our successes. We've had this, we've had the unit open almost close to a year now, which That's is great. amazing. And uh, and as you guys went and saw how how people are so engaged, um, our nurses, our the staff, and then with the patients. And if you were able to actually see a patient's family and how they're how they're engaged because we're one-on-one interactions with them, providing them education, especially at the time of discharge. It's uh, it's something very cool, uh, something that we can say we are first at and very be very proud for this community to have. Yeah, and just to see the pride on the people who work there on oh, their yeah. faces. Oh, yeah, awesome. And, great um, leadership there, actually, mm-hmm. really yeah. great leadership. And that's one of the things I really like to talk about and promote with our sepsis unit is that other hospitals can do this too. This is a great model for how sepsis care can be treated and how moving forward we can kind of work on bringing that mortality rate down. Yeah, you can really make a a big difference and it's amazing. And that's where, um, that's why we're in this um, cult business or this field, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got into this field because I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And it's nice to be at a place allegiance and have people that you work with that have that same goal and that synergy that's built in to promote something that's going to be so beneficial for the community. I I think it's something that it's like something that you should be proud of, like a new car or a Mm -hmm. new home, a new baby. It's just so, Mm -hmm. it's so amazing. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, a lot of people that listen to this also don't live near here. So what are some of the things that they should be looking out for or some of the questions they should be asking their care providers as they go through this care process? With the care process, so let's start with uh, – so what we've done here in the community is that the primary care physicians are very heightened aware about sepsis. So when they have a patient of theirs that comes in with different issues, they make clear in – uh, ask certain in-depth questions more mm-hmm. so. How long was the duration of the illness? Have you had fever? And they may, if a family member is there, ask them, have you noticed a change in their, um, in how they acted in front of you and, and all that stuff. So those are things that uh, we've educated our primary care physicians. So for mm-hmm. the patient uh, that goes to see them, they could ask certain things like, now I've been having this illness for a couple of days. Should I worry about... X. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not been eating that well. I've had, mm-hmm. I've not felt, I've felt worse than I had the previous. Those kinds of questions will hopefully trigger something in those primary care physicians to think differently in their in terms of treatment. Great. Yeah. Just keeping that top of mind. I'll share the story because we have a very wonderful educational team that's gone out to the community, this community here at different um, aven- uh, ventures and basically. They've talked about the different tests that are done for to treat uh, to diagnose um, and identify sepsis. So I've had a couple of patients come to the emergency department and say, "You know, I had that sepsis, and I, I'm wondering if this is sepsis." And I'm thinking Aww. to myself, "It's not sepsis, but it's." <laughs> I understand what you're talking. And they go, "Did you order that special test?" And I said, "That special test," and they said, "The lactate," and that's one of our markers. And mm-hmm. I thought, "No, I did not, because I don't believe you have sepsis, but I think it's this." But then I said back and I just said, how did you hear about this? And they said, well, I was looking up something on Henry Ford's website. I was at a, um, uh, my doctor had talked about it in the office and I thought, we have done our job. We're yeah. getting that nice. message out there. And that's, I mean, so that's that's uh, heartwarming for myself that um, all the efforts that everyone's done and I continue to do 
is paying off. Mm-hmm. Especially when they ask the doctor, "Did you order that test? And do I yeah. have sepsis?" Well, not today, and I'm grateful it's not today. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, Aww. it's great to know we're doing so much to fight sepsis and keep it keep the mortality rates low yeah. as we can. And yeah, it's it's just amazing that we're able to work with a group of people that you know have such a passion for our community and you know to to try to help us all be as healthy as we can be. And we just are so grateful to have you all. You know, and what I'll say this, Jen and David, is that having this form of communication, which is outstanding, to be able to disseminate that information out there is so vital. So what we do is great. What you guys do is just as important because, as you know, communication's key. Yep, right? absolutely. So, absolutely. I thank you guys for doing that, actually. And if you'd like some more communications, we do this podcast every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think, Jen, you're going to be on the next one. And we're talking about some diet stuff. Yes, Keto very diet, interesting. Hot button issues. Yep. So I'm sure we'll learn a lot. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for listening. If you would like more of this podcast, we are available on iTunes and henryford.com slash podcast if you'd like to listen to all of the episodes and follow us on Facebook. If you have topics you'd like us to discuss, send us a message and we'll add that to the list. So thanks for tuning in and thanks for being here, Dr. Brian. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. You too.